2: The Stags were temporarily top of Skybet League 2, but then in the blink of an eye we were back to seconds as Warsaw inflicted the Stags' fourth defeat of the Skybet League 2 campaign with a 2-1 win. Aidan Flint perhaps should have had a goal in the first half, which, judging by the photos and the videos, clearly crossed the line, causing yet more debate about referees and technology. But in truth, it was the Stags who just weren't quite good enough to get over the line and bring the points home from Warsaw. Can they bounce back against the inform league team? Or will it be a fifth defeat of the season and automatic promotion fading into the distance? There's still lots more twists and turns to go, and in the blink of an eye, it can all change. This is the Man's Film Matters podcast, a show for the fans, by the fans. Come and have your say on your team as we discuss it all. Hello and welcome to the Mansfield Matters podcast, a show for the fans, by the fans. Why? Because Mansfield always matters, win, lose or draw. Well, the last time we were on the podcast, we were all sitting here ecstatic after watching goal after goal after goal fly in. And then come five o'clock on Saturday, we were all disappointed that the Stags uh, had done the typical after the Lord Mayor show sort of thing. ...and end up losing a game. All is not lost though because other teams around us also slipped up... ...which means the Stags are still two points off the top of the table... ...with a game in hand as well. Lots more football still to be played... ...and lots more twists and turns along the way as well. Joining me to talk all things twists and turns... ...and all things Warsaw and beyond... ...let's say hello and good evening... ...to three of my fellow Mansfield Matters podcast panellists... ...or friends or whatever it is you want to call them today... Uh, the first one. Let's go over to Edwin Stowe and say hello. Good evening to Mr. Clive Parkin. Hi, Craig. Hello, everybody. Let's cross over and hope, by the miracle of technology, that uh, he realises that we're talking to him this week and there's not a nine thousand million second delay. He's on every fortnight. He's here again. It's Jim.
3: Hi, Craig. Good evening, everybody. Hope you're okay.
2: I swear, Danny, did that gap for comic effect. And let's say hello, good evening to Mr. Alan Wilson. Have you got your voice back after all those goals of the week, Al?
1: Yes, thanks, Craig. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, everybody. Always
2: great to have you with us. And good evening, hello, and welcome to you guys at home uh, watching the live feed or listening to the audio version as well. If you want to watch the live podcasts, remember, all you need to do is follow us on social media at MTFC Matters and we'll tell you when we're next going to be live. And if you're watching the live version and you want to get involved, Please do come and say hello as we talk all things Mansfield Towns. Why? Because Mansfield matters. Let's delve straight in at the deep end then, Clive. Warsaw away on Saturday afternoon. It was a cracking McDonald's before the game, and then it went a bit downhill, didn't it?
4: Yeah, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to indulge in too much despondency after, after the game. I thought, you know, at the end of the day, they were a better side than perhaps we'd expect them to be. They've got a cracking home record. Their game plan was pretty good. They played some good football. So did we. We were denied a perfectly good goal because the officials didn't spot it go over the line. And we made far and far away enough chances to have won the game. Uh, and given that uh, the other teams around us are all finding a little bit of potholes in their form as well, I'm not at all despondent. If someone had said to me, we were going to be two points behind the leaders with a game in hand at this point in the season, I'd have bitten their head off. for it.
2: I think potholes, Alan Wilson, is probably the best. Uh, looking at it, to be fair, and uh, analysing it, because it is just a minor bump in the road for the Stags when you consider all things this season. And you add to the facts, like Nigel Clough said in his post-match as well, that actually Warsaw have beaten a lot of the top six sides uh, this season. They're no fools. They're probably in a false position, actually.
1: Yeah, I thought they, same as Clive, I thought they played rather well, to be fair, to Warsaw, I think you just knew it was going to be one of them days when the Flint goal... The debacle didn't wasn't given. And you just you get I don't know, I seem to get that feeling, even though when Quinny scored to make it one-one, I just had that feeling that it wasn't going to be our day. Although, with the chances that we missed, you know, we should have buried them to be fair.
2: I think regardless of who we played on Saturday, Jim, there was always a danger of that happening, wasn't there? Because after such a high <laughs> day night game, winning but with the margin that we did, the the nine-two scoreline and all of that sort of stuff it was always going to be a case of the next game that was going to come along was never going to live up to those highs.
3: Yeah, I think um, people are wary of teams that have just been on a winning run. But if anything, I think that's arguably a good time to play teams like like we're playing Salford on Saturday. Because if anything, I think it's human nature, a bit of complacency creeps in. I think there's nothing more dangerous than playing a team that's a little bit wounded, that's coming off the back of a defeat or two and they've got a, a point to prove. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with Clive on this one. I'm not despondent at all. Yeah. If anything, it's a good thing because it keeps everybody grounded and focused and honest.
2: I think that's a fair point to add there, Clive, that it does keep everybody grounded. I think after such a a, a victory that we got, you know, against uh, Harrogate and things like that, af- after that, we almost did need to sort of ground ourselves a little bit because we're not going to beat every team 9-2. We're not going to score buckets and buckets and buckets of goals. We're not going to win every game Comfortably, you have to take the rough with the smooth. It comes with being a Stags fan.
4: It does, and to be fair, we we had one goal that was a cracker that we conceded. The first goal, which was a really good goal on their part, and the second goal was a mistake. We didn't defend at all well for that from that corner. But apart from that, we were, I think, the better of the two teams, even though they were playing well. So I think on another occasion we'd would have taken the pants down, but but. But, but, you know, Alan said it, the, we're not going to win all the games all this season. We're never going to do that. We still uh, lost fewer than anybody else in this league. We've got a better goal difference than anybody else in this league. That's worth a point. And you know what a point makes, don't you? Can just reflect back on last year. So I think we, um, we 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 take this and move on. It's as simple as that. And let me just say that Warsaw hammered Morecambe yesterday, didn't they as well? So they, they are very good at home.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jim, you nodding away to Clive's point there about that extra point making the difference at the end of the campaign.
3: No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you've seen how tight the table is. Automatic could come down to that goal difference. It really could. Or, or the title or or whichever. So, well worth it. Yeah. Uh, we need to keep building up that goal difference for me. We, I mean, if anything, on Saturday, we gained mm-hmm. a couple of goals on Stockport, didn't we? Because they lost 4-0. So. So yeah,
4: the, the magic number yeah. is the number of points between third place team and the team that would qualify for playoffs in the in the fourth position. Because if we can keep that gap right, then that takes the pressure off.
2: Yeah, I think
4: that's there a, are one or two teams now picking up form. We just got to be aware of that.
2: Yeah, one of which, of course, we play on Saturday. We'll come on to that later on. Uh, a point that I want to pick up on there, Alan, is uh, about uh, what Clive just said about uh, me pushing putting that gap between third place in the playoffs, naturally after Tuesday and Harrogate, there was a lot of people saying, and, and naturally there are a lot of people doing it anyway, looking at the gap between us and Stockport and thinking the title's there to be had. Of course it's there to be had, but realistically all that Mansfield need to do is be in that top three. We don't need to concern ourselves about um, missing out on being top of the league and singing we are top of the league and all of that stuff. We don't need to concern ourselves on what Stockport mm-hmm. does or what Wrexham do. We need to concern ourselves on ourselves and just staying in that top three because it's the top three who ultimately will be in League One next season where we want to and deserve to be.
1: And two things I've always, I've always said ever since I've supported Mansell Town, being a football fan, whatever, I never like going top too early. I know it might sound daft. People might think, oh, well, I, you know, I'd sooner be top because you're there to be shot at i like to keep second third just keep it and keep the momentum going keep it nice and steady and then drop in you know last two or three weeks i mean we always said at the start of the season when we saw the fixtures barrow could be a really interesting game for the last match and also you've got mk dons haven't you we've got to play them home and away like a few other teams have they could have a big bearing on this season but they could
2: yeah, they certainly could. I think uh, one thing to touch upon there, Jim, as well is the teams around us, like Alan said there, Stockport and Wrexham, let's t- take a look at those two individually. Stockport, obviously, similar to ourselves, had the heartbreak of losing the playoff final. They was rocked by that a little bit at the start of the campaign. They'll be feeling the pressure the more and more that they stay top. We're seeing it now with a little bit of their form, getting beat heavily and, and not very, very well. And some of their fans, again, turning a little bit toxic because of uh, said results. And then you look at Wrexham, which is the complete opposite, who are a side who are throwing money at it. They've got these Hollywood owners. They've got documentary crews following everywhere. They've got fans across the globe desperate for the next season of uh, This Is Wrexham or whatever it's called on Disney Plus to see another promotion and to see more scenes like that. We are in the middle of a pressure sandwich with the coolest filling that you could ever ask for in Nigel Clough how's that for an analogy
3: yeah but to be honest let them talk let them talk about Wrexham and Stockport because while they're doing that they're not talking about us and I think Alan's right when when you're in first spot the only place you can look is over your shoulder so I'd sooner be you know aiming for somebody for most of it until right up until near the end but yeah, I think I feel pretty good about it, to be honest with you. We had a fantastic set of results last night, go our way. Um, if anything, I mean, it's all relative now, isn't it? Now coming to the home straight, what other teams do is just as important as what we do. So, you know, we'd have been worse off if we got a point Saturday and everyone last night won. So, relatively speaking, if you'd have offered those results at seven o'clock last night, what happened? You just, you just said, yes, please.
2: Yeah, can't disagree at all. As always, if you want to have your say on your team, feel free to get involved in the live stream comments. Clive, let's go back to the game a little bit then on Saturday afternoon. There was an optimism buzzing around beforehand because, naturally, of uh, Tuesday night and things like that. And to be fair, the Stags did have the chances to score a hatful of goals at Warsaw. Will Swan, I think, uh, alone had four chances, which he he squandered. Uh, Hopefully, that doesn't dent his confidence too much. But in truth, at half-time... Let's park the Aidan Flint goal for a minute. That's a different debate entirely. But in truth, at half-time, the Stags should have been at least one goal up, shouldn't they?
4: Yeah. I mean, uh, Swan had some really good opportunities. On another day, he would have buried at least two of those. Um, they're at the wrong end of the field from where we were stood, unfore- or sat, unfortunately, so I didn't get a very really good look at them until I saw the highlight reel. But yeah, he ought to have scored at least one and probably two goals in the first half.
2: And you've just got to hope, Alan, that, you know, that is a little bit of a blip. He is still coming back into to his uh, into his form. I thought he played well uh, generally. I know that you, yourself wasn't there, but he played quite well generally. He had that pace and he looked still looked like the, the other Will Swan. And it is just a case, isn't it, of you look at the, the two games differently and you just think, this is what happens when your chances fall for you and when they do drop, and this is what happens when it doesn't drop and you've just got to adapt accordingly.
1: Yeah, because I mean, he scored, he scored well, half a Worldie on Tuesday night, didn't he? With a cracking finish for his first goal, and it weren't, it weren't an easy goal for his second goal either on Tuesday night. So, I mean, them two went in. They didn't go, they didn't fall for him on Saturday. So I'm sure he'll just move on because, like you said, like we said last week, we know Nichols and other people are that, you know, chomping at the bit to replace him, and it's keeping everybody motivated, which is a really good thing. And it was nice to hear Nigel come out in his interview afterwards and said he thought he got it wrong in the end, not playing Williams instead of Barry, which I thought was, uh, you know, fair play on Nigel's part.
2: Yeah, an interesting one, that one. Obviously, Jordan Barry's a a mainstay of uh, the side this season, Jim, despite it it maybe looking at times like he he wasn't going to be. But I think what Alan says there and what Nigel Clough said in his post-match is uh, also spot on. George Williams had done nothing wrong and actually was given... (laughs) Different option down that right hand side.
3: Yeah, I like, I like Luca Williams. I can remember the game against Notts County a couple of weeks ago when he he was superb. He was like an old school fullback, you know, sort of front foot, aggressive, quick, in, quick into the tackle. And he gave us something a bit different, I think. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a massive Barry fan, but he's just become the, the Swiss army knife of the squad, hasn't he? <laughs> and uh, I think Williams is probably a little bit more specialist at fullback. And of course, he's uh, got a a promotion on his CV so that experience is a good age he's what 30 so they're the kind of players we're going to lean on now I think to get us over the line should we do it
2: yeah they are absolutely those type of players uh, that we need Darren in the comments says, as long as we have uh, as long as we get promoted that is the main thing the club are looking for this season and the fans come on you stags come on you stags indeed if you want to add a comment feel free to do so Tracy says evening evening hope you make Bailey's All right. Um, Went with a little walk with uh, Bailey, with Harry the other day. It was very nice to chew the fat on all things at Staggy. It was almost like Tracy got her own personal podcast. And yes, she did ask, where's Clive? Where's Alan? Where's Jim? She asked about Cam and Nathan as well. I said, I don't know who they are. And uh, she did ask about Nick and I said he'll be off buying a shirt somewhere. Uh, They'll be back with us soon, of course. Uh, Right. uh, Let's uh, not ignore the elephant in the room, Clive. Let's talk a little bit about... uh, That Aidan Flint goal, obviously all the photos that you can see online of it, it's clearly across uh, the line. The video clips show it's over the line as well. Was it a case of in the blink of uh, an eye with the, the official on that side not being unsighted or is it a case for wider debate that at League Two level as a minimum, goal line technology should be in? Because had that goal dropped when it did, it would have changed the course of the game.
4: Yeah, swings and roundabouts so, isn't it? I mean, we've had a debatable goal crossing the line. I think, you know, those things happen every now and again. Uh, I'm not the first person in the world to defend poor refereeing. I didn't think the referee was a poor referee on uh, Saturday. I thought he had a decent game. And I've looked at it with the devices available to me, and I can clearly see that the linesman would have had an obscured view. Mm. Um, if he, if the line was, linesman was where he should have been, there were two, two and a half players and a post between him and the the image that he was trying to to interpret. And credit to the keeper, he whipped it back into play double quick. Um, I don't think the referee could have had a decent view of it. I I mean, I can't believe if he'd seen it, he wouldn't have given it. Um, um, So I think you've just got to put it down to normal referee mistakes and and circumstances that prevail.
2: Simple human error. It's an interesting topic of conversation, Jim. I'm going to be honest. Most people know I don't watch football outside of watching Mansfield Town. I've got no interest in it whatsoever. Um, just I just can't. But obviously the technology in the game, I do keep abreast of that. And I know there's a lot of debate about goal line technology, VAR and stuff. And there is a question that it is ruining the game because for me, the simplicity of football is the fact that you are based on human error. It's The refereeing teams back in the day would not be held accountable because of all the technology that's in and around the ground. It is based on their decision as they see it, as we see it as fans and as we see it to commentate on it as as journalists and things like that as well. We're basing it on what we see within the moment. Is that the way that football should continue to be or given the technology that's in the game and given some of the money that's in the game higher up, should there be more done to ensure that it does move with the times, and that the level that we're at at League Two should at least have the base, the ba- the bare basic of goal line technology.
3: Well, I certainly wouldn't want to see VAR, but I mean, you could say goal line technology. But what I would say, having watched football for now, is all the decisions for and against over a season, they all even out. So you remember back to the Notts County game again, I think that. Knox County had a goal that crossed the line, which I think we got away with, if yeah. I'm honest, that looked into me. So it swings and roundabouts, you know, it is so there you are, that's one or straight away, isn't it? So if that had gone in, that game would have been different. So now I'd leave it as it is. I think bar, it has ruined the Premier League and um it all the ba- all the good and bad decisions even out and I think it keeps the flow of the game. Just take take the badens, you know, as they are and now leave it as
2: it is. As Ben's comments say, uh, it's not just us, Knotts County against Wrexham, and us uh, and MK Dons against Wrexham last night. All the way over the line, Alan. Where do you stand it? Stand on it. Are you uh, technology in or tradition staying as
1: is? Well, first of all, for the Knotts County game against Mansfield, I've got quite a few friends who sit in the quarry Lane, and they can categorically state that it did not go over the line. All the ball wasn't over the line. So I don't agree with people saying that, you know, they think it was because, according to them, and they got a closer view than I had, that it wasn't. But I think technology could be bought in, just goal line technology. I think that would be a fair representative of League Two. I don't want like Jim. I don't want VAR because it takes it takes you three hours to sort out the decision, you know, and then it invariably ends up the wrong decision. But goal to, goal line technology is pretty simple. It's either yes or no: is the ball over the line or isn't it? I think that could be bought in.
2: It'd be interesting to see if it ever was at League Two level because there needs it does need to be some balance in that because I always find it fascinating that, um, and I think Nigel Clough referenced it as well for. For, for some games. It might have even been one of our games earlier this season, the Carabao Cup, where whereby we play a league game and it's based on solely what the referee and the, the officials see in the moment. And then we play a cup game where things like VAR and mm. uh, replays and that uh, are in place and it completely changes the comple- complexity of the game and how you even approach a fixture. So there needs to be some form of uh, balance address and, based on the uh, the league system. But I guess the other point about it, Clive, as well, is the fact that it doesn't matter because we can sit here and debate until we're blue in the face about it, but no one's going to go, oh, all right, those lads from Mansfield, Matt said that Flint's goal was over the line, so we'll award uh, Mansfield the goal <laughs> yeah. there. Well, they were 1-0. Well, Rex, would uh, Walsall have then scored? Probably not. So we'll give Mansfield the three points. It, it would just unravel a, a whole trail of things. As Nigel Clough always says, even after the 9-2 at home to Harrogate. What's the point of talking about it now?
4: We, Absolutely. next game. Absolutely, If the referee hasn't given it, it's not a goal. End of story. And, and I think, you know, I'd, I'm going to sound like an old curmudgeon here, but I'd get rid of every bit of technology and just go back to having the referee's word and accepting, as Jim has said, they're going to make mistakes, but they average out over the season. And providing the referees give their best and the, they're up to the standard and we know some of them seem not to be but then that's all you can expect and players have to respect the fact that they make mistakes and so do officials get on with it and the other thing as an ex-local level referee myself i hate anything introduced at the top end of the game which can't be deployed further down the ladder i i include the changes to the offside rule in that because you go to your local park and try and watch the local referee interpret the, the, the offside rule. Now, he can't do it. And you get a reluctant linesman, you know, usually the, the substitute who's having a fight yeah. talking to his girlfriend. <laughs> and you try and get him to interpret the, you know, the phasing of an offside situation. It's just non-starter. So I think the game itself is simple. It's pure. It should be protected against too many people fiddling around with it. And not, that doesn't even include the cost of these things. I think Nigel Clough alluded to it as well. Is everything has cost, and it doesn't matter if you're in the Premiership because they get 85% of all the money that's going, and the other 15% has to feed every other level. And so, where's the money going to come from to put even goal line technology? You're talking 150k to put goal line technology in. It's it's not without cost. It's not like putting a piece of cellophane over the goal line and if it breaks it, it's in. You know that that would work once. <laughs> Complexity uh, Listen, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going into an old man's rant <laughs>
2: <laughs> Complexity of the beautiful game You just can't beat it Right, let's bring it back to all things uh, Mansfield, Jim And talk about the goals in which uh, the Stags conceded Two, I would say, soft goals Both uh, originating from set plays And both, I think, you can attribute to poor decision-making Of course, we're at League 2 So uh, not every player is uh, is the best player that we're at this level for a reason and things like that. But considering mm. losing out on points and fine margins and things like that, what I don't want Mansfield to do now, and we can talk about this more after the break as well, is start letting complacency creep in and making poor decisions and bad mistakes. Because poor decisions... What No, what's the, the saying that I used to say? Overconfidence and underestimation would be our greatest downfall. Jim?
3: Yeah, I, I think the goals that we let in, I think they were quite uncharacteristic really of how we've defended this season, to be fair. I think, I mean, we're up against Jamil Matt as well. He was a very, you know, wily operator and a player I really rate. I wish we'd have got him, to be honest. But um, I think it was very uncharacteristic. And uh, it sort of relates into what we were just talking about a minute ago. I think... When you're talking about the ball over the line, is is, is don't moan about it. Just be better. You know, take our chances, defend, do the basics right, defending, and then the the ball over the line thing wouldn't have been an issue.
0: Mm.
3: You know, just just if we if we do our side of things to the optimum we can do, then these little official errors and whatnot won't, won't be a conversation point. It would just be a consolation. Yeah. And uh, I I wouldn't be too worried about the goals on Saturday. It was uncharacteristic, up against the top player, and to put down to experience, you know, or say experience, just a bad day at the office and it's very unlike us this season. It's all
2: about what you learn from as well and I don't want to uh, i say this tongue-in-cheek Clive because uh, Nick, the uh, president of the Hiram Boateng fan club, is not here to uh, give his right to reply. Um, but we saw the, the, the different side of Hiram Boateng, didn't we? We had uh, the Hiram Boateng that we know can produce with the, the golden goals and uh, the flashness and all of that on Tuesday. And then a poor decision for uh, one of the headers for one of the corners, which led to uh, to one of the goals.
4: League two player for a reason. Yeah, I mean, we, we've spent a lot of our time defending um, here on Boateng because he hasn't been his best friend in terms of his performances. Um, and he hasn't, to be fair, he hasn't had enough of a chance to demonstrate it this year. And I know there's a better player in here on Boateng than we've witnessed. I think the hat trick was a distortion. I don't think that really does an awful lot to conquer people's anxiety about the lad. I think he looks lazy. I'm not saying he is lazy, but he looks lazy. Language is probably the word. Um, and he is completely left-footed, which sometimes is a great asset and other times it's a disadvantage. But he cost. He. Um, it was his mistake that cost one of the two daft goals against uh, Harrogate, and equally, it was also uh, Lucas Aikens being easily dispossessed. It cost us a goal against Harrogate. And, you know, I think Lucas Aitkins has nothing to prove anymore. But he didn't have a particularly good game against uh, Warsaw either.
2: No, that's true. Uh, Boateng uh, unlucky to be dropped against uh, Warsaw, Alan, or do you put it down to uh, Nigel Clough's natural uh, squad rotation at this time of the campaign?
1: the latter I think what you said about Nigel you know he decided he, he admitted afterwards like we've already stated that he made a bit of a mistake or he thought it was a mistake not putting Williams in whether Tech Barry or you know whoever else out but uh, yeah I was surprised when I saw the team but I was you know before the Harrogate match to be fair and you know in Nigel we trust it's as simple as that some people are going to have off days uh Boateng didn't have a particularly good game you know, Swan missed a few chances. You know, it's just part and parcel of the game, isn't it? But we've got other people off the uh, who can come off the bench who can do a damn good job.
2: Yeah, you have to take the rough with this smooth in this yeah. game. It's part and parcel of being a Stags fan. Uh, right, when we're gonna when we come back, we're gonna take a short break. When we come back, we're gonna talk Stephen Quinn. We're gonna talk games on uh, gonna be put on the old uh, Goggle Box, and we'll look ahead to uh, Saturday afternoon's clash with In Form Salford. This is the show for the fans, by the fans. Why? Because Mansfield always matters and apparently adverts do too.
0: Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: You with the show for the fans, by the fans. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast. Right. Uh, Obviously, a bit of club news uh, to talk about naturally being in the uh, the top 2 and competing for promotion means that uh, when there's uh, no premier league games broadcasters like sky go ooh we could put them on the telly and that's exactly what they've done stags against colchester uh, will be on uh, sky as part of their commitment to show league 2 football when there's no international when there's no premier league games on uh, and it will now kick off on the 23rd of march and it will now kick off at 12:30 um, so uh, get your tickets uh, for that one. Let's uh, sell out one course stadium Um potentially not give Colchester that many tickets and get a little bit of the North stand as well and uh, show the world um, what Mansfield are all about. Of course, the last time the Stags were on uh, Sky earlier this season, uh, Alan, went quite
1: well, didn't it? We turned up for once, didn't we? It seems to be, uh, you know, a funny thing when Sky come. We either don't turn up for the day or something happens, whatever. We never seem to perform to our best ability. But it was a lovely change against NotSkyHunted to see the Sky cameras there. And we actually performed to the best of our ability. We put them to the sword. And let's hope uh, the same when Colchester come, because they're languishing near the bottom, aren't they? Yeah. Craig, you
4: don't need to worry about the North Stand bursting at the seams because Colchester won't bring many fans and certainly with an earlier kickoff, that will deter even more of their fans coming, so there there are obviously going to be more Manshaw fans in the North Stand than than visiting supporters.
2: Yeah, let's uh, hope so. Let's talk North Stand uh, for a minute. Obviously the club are doing this experiment uh, this season, Jim, and I think they're doing it again on Saturday for the the Salford game. Basically clubs who aren't expected to bring a large proportion of travelling supporters uh moved across to the far side there's a big uh, sort of uh, block netting barrier thing put in the middle and then it's uh, there's a, a block i think blocks a and b open for uh, for stags fans there's been a couple of trials so far this campaign Jim. um it's not been full and there's also been seats on both occasions dotted around the Ian Greaves and Quarry Lane end is it a successful trial or is it just ticking a box or has it not had lo- enough shelf life uh, to make a decision yet?
3: Probably that one, not enough shelf not sort of been trialled enough yet. I mean, it's been a bit underwhelming so far. It's not really added to the home advantage atmosphere, I would say. But um, yeah, I'm undecided about that one. I think I think someone said it before, haven't they? If we get promoted, then it will really... The grounds really going to be put under the spotlight. What we're going to do? Something's going to have to be sorted out then because the demand for tickets will always soar. But um, and personally, I'd like to see the way fans pour in the Bishop Street. But I know this is a, going off on a tangent, and then we just have the whole North Stand back. But I, I'm 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 div- not sure about this North Stand thing. I think have it as one or the other underwhelming so far.
2: I think what it needs, Clive, it, it needs a little bit more of a push. I personally, I don't feel that the club have pushed it as much as what they could have done, playing on the the history thing and and all of that sort of stuff um, as well. And obviously, the fixtures in which we've had the North Stand thus far, I think it's just been Harrogate and uh, Forest and Forest Green. We've not and we've not uh, quite. And those nights have been Tuesday night games, and the weather's not. Quite been there. Obviously, I think if it was towards the back end of the season and uh, the the latter end of the season, and we're obviously knocking upon the door, then those tickets will naturally get uh, snapped up. But I don't think, don't feel like there's been enough of a push on it to uh, to try and fill those seats. It almost feels a little bit um, half-hearted to say uh, to say one thing, trying to look for a solution when really they know in truth that that said solution won't happen anyway.
4: Now, it's a bit of a non-starter in my opinion because you can't do it for every game because they'll want to maximize away capacity when we we've got teams that bring a good following. And so they'll withdraw from the experiment when that happens. Um, five thousand, nearly five thousand two hundred of our regular supporters are season ticket holders, and they're not being given the chance to change the season ticket they're going to go into the North Stand, understandably. Mm. So what you're left with is that thin level of floating uh, fans that will come to certain games because they they are enticed so to do and i'm afraid sutton on a tuesday night when it's been raining all day isn't one of those times um and the, the 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 attendance reflected that so it was irrelevant that you could go in the north stand because we didn't fill all the seats elsewhere um, but we are getting perilously close to filling to selling every seat every game well, certainly there will be that huge dilemma when we get promoted um and something has to give the north stand in its present guise does not allow for shared accommodation it's a compromise they're doing at the moment the, the home fans who are using a blocks a and b have to gain entry via the main ian greaves uh, passageways they have to use or they're, they're supposed to be using the facilities in the Ian Greaves lower stand in order that the 26 certain fans can avail themselves of the lavatories and the and the food uh, concession without being exposed to us dirty northerners behind the stand
2: <laughs> it has to be said Alan. you know and this is not a slander on the club at all you know i, I praise the fact that they are they have battled with the s the sag the safety advisory group <laughs> and it could have been a battle it will have been a long on, ongoing battle because they would have wanted to do it uh, a couple of years ago especially post-covid when uh Attendance has started to rise. These these things don't happen overnight. There's always a long, drawn-out process. Case in point, the whole closing the, quarry, the the quarry Lane thing as well. But I think the club, deep down in their hearts, will know that I'm going to use the I'm going to say what Clive said. When, not if Mansfield get promoted to League One, there will be no side in League One with travelling supporters that will have the smaller fan base of your Suttons, your Forest Greens, your Salford, to be able to do it anyway?
1: Well, I think there, and, you know, when that happens, they will have to decide, you know, whether they open the North stand again to Stags fans, if if that's a possibility, and switch it round, you know, because there's a family stand in the Quarry Lane, isn't there? I think it all depends what happens eventually with Bishop Street. I think something will be done. I don't know when and I don't know how. We don't know the dealings, you know, with planning permission, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a pity they just can't knock the inside out and make some sort of shell and put some barriers up and make it standing or something like that. But uh, I'm sure that question will be asked sooner or later when we get promoted. And then, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Because if it's at the start of the season and just say mansfield have the north stand back the season tickets obviously you'll be able to purchase them for the north stand but we'll have to wait and say on that and i think Great. Well, it's,
4: not, it's not going to happen next year if, if we do when we get promoted it's not going to happen next year because all of these things take a long time to do yeah even if you take out of the equation the risk-averse ground safety people and the police uh, who don't like the idea of, of, of away fans and home fans ever coming into contact with one another and by the way i can't think of another league 2 ground where away fans and home fans don't get mixed together around the outside of the stadium but we the, to be fair to manchester town football club they, they they have as an inheritance a ground that's badly put together yeah. and doesn't have the flexibility to provide the solutions they're trying to to, to employ and they're in they're in a no win situation at the moment i mean there are solutions that don't involve um, Bishop Street, you could fill the corners in for a start. That would add probably a 1,000 seats done properly, which would be for the home fans. You know, keep North Stand for away fans. But Jim's right. The solution in the longer term is Bishop Street.
2: Yeah, it yeah. has to be. But I think like Ben has just said in the comments, Jim, um, we need a final solution on, on that on Bishop Street because it's a big project which takes time and we can't wait until promotion. It will be too late. We will wait or it will be too late for
4: next year or even yeah. the year after, in my opinion.
2: I agree. That's what I was just going to say. I mean, we will wait until promotion in order to to push it and to to trigger it because I think the finance for said development Mm -hmm. will probably come along with what comes with being promoted. But like Clive's just said there, Jim, Mm -hmm. if we get promoted, we're not going to open the the season in August in League One and all of a sudden Bishop Street's going to be open, it's going to be a stand. It probably wouldn't be until 2026, maybe 2027 Mm -hmm. before we even get anything on that and by which time we could be in the conference north
4: that's it well, that's the spirit i think the thing is what...
2: <laughs> Just saying the,
3: the fact is though we're not promoted yet and you, you put yourself in john radford's shoes he still has to put a lot of his own money in doesn't he to to make us break even and i should think he he, he can appreciate where he's coming from you know until the demand is there sustainably and, and regularly all the time. Why should he fork out seven figures to improve the ground when, in eighteen months' time, it might down be back down to sort of sixty percent capacity again? When he's already shelling out a lot of money just to keep us going, so I could I can appreciate well, fully where, where reason, he's coming yeah. from. It is. That's the risk. I mean, I, I, he has if we said don't before. Get
4: promoted, sorry, if we don't yeah. get promoted this season, the 5,200 season ticket holders we've got this year will will diminish and uh, it'll settle down to a figure less than what we've been yeah. running this year which means the pressure's off in terms of the ground so it is about forward thinking and actually leapfrog thinking because there has to be a contingency so if we do this we do that if we don't do this we can do the other um i wouldn't want to be in their position because whatever solution they aim at, is going to cost money that as you quite rightly say, is likely to come out of the owner's pocket. And uh, even though our gates are up this year and therefore revenue should be up when we see the final finances, um, I think our wage bill is quite a lot higher than it would have been in previous seasons as well. So the whole thing has to square up. I I don't think the club should be be, um, apologising for spending all of its money on on payroll this year because we need to get promoted. The way to do that is to put together a really good squad. And, and that's what's happened. It's taken two or three years to get there. But by by astute acquisitions of players who make the uh, team viable enough to get promoted, that comes with a bill.
2: And as, uh, as interesting as that comment is, uh, Clive, one thing I want to put to you, Alan, is Clive's said something there which is quite an interesting take because if when we get promoted, if we get promoted, all of that, that sort of stuff, when promotion happens... And we go into League One, we have a dilemma on our hands, which of course is: do we spend money on redevelopment, developing a stand, which will take two to three years, whatever it, it may be? Although some people counter argue and say, like Luton, they got a stand up in a, a couple of months, temporarily or whatever that may be. Irrelevant. Do you want that, or do you want the? Um, do you want? player that's going to keep you in League One and prevent you from re- getting relegated, therefore allowing growth. <clears throat> what would you rather take? You've got one option. Player. On one hand, Alan Wilson, you've got Bishop Street being redeveloped, bye-bye eyesore. Or on the other hand, you've got this player who's
1: going to keep us in League One. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to say I'm sitting on the fence, but why can't you have both? Because that's not what this game is. <laughs> <laughs> <It was laughs> if he's so coming next to that... that- if it's coming down to that Craig. You... i will you... answer i will answer your question my friend so you
2: should because that's you know we're not doing pedantic alan wilson i don't <laughs> like him
1: <laughs> i would uh i would sooner have the player if he can perform on the pitch and keep us where we need to be fair enough but i'm sure somewhere along the line plans will be afoot yeah, Knowing john radford and our passionate is about the stags with your Steve imus your mark burton your paul the uh AWAS was funeral directors everybody somebody somewhere along the line will have something in place if and when yeah i can't see other than that whatever it may be and however long it will take
4: Uh, Speaking, speaking purely as a fan who faces the bishop street stand every home game i'd just be happy if they demolish what's there already and don't develop it just tidy the thing up because it's a god given eyesore and thank God the cameras positions are on that side and not in the in the Ian Greaves side. Yeah. It, it makes us a bit of a laughing stock, doesn't it? Uh
2: Aiden in the comments says, yeah. Could they
4: not just knock it down
2: as it is, make it concrete standing with the roof? It's a simple cheap fix that would not cost the earth. I agree to some extent, but knocking it down as it as it is and making it concrete standing with a with a roof uh still costs money. And uh I think that yeah. may well be what the what I would probably perceive the idea to be, which is the cheapest fix, knocking it down and making it a, a, a terrace with a little bit of uh, seating there, a la forest green, and the side there or the side that they've got at Accrington, etc. But it still costs money to do. And then um, the counter-argument from Aidan was, would the extra revenue of the Bishop Street not pay for the player? Yeah. It, it would, but it's the point is it probably would take two seasons for Bishop Street to get done, by which time... You know, you could do a forest green, couldn't you, and go up and then probably go down twice. So many counter arguments about it. We do talk about it a lot. One thing we would love is those at the club who are considering these decisions to uh, to to talk about them more openly and more publicly. So people like us don't sit here speculating about it. We've got more spe- we've got more to speculabate. Speculabate? speculate
4: speculate
1: speculate speculate. We like that. <laughs> Take
4: <laughs> word of the day can I, just say, though, craig,
1: can, I,
3: Ding. can I just say though craig i, th- I think the club got it the right way around you get it right on the pitch first and everything else follows and john radford has said before if and when we do get promoted that will seriously be stepped up the bishop street plans and he's never i don't think he's a man who's not of his word
1: It will. And no. if we get
3: established in the one i'm sure that'll happen yeah
2: congr- i completely uh agree uh with that as well you know we have to get things right on the pitch which we have been doing and then the off pitch things will follow but it, it like on the pitch these things do take time um which needs me leads me to my next point in just a second first let's wrap up a few more of these comments you can keep them coming in we're here for another 10 minutes if you want to get anything match Town time related in please do uh, dave says that traveling up from skegness on saturday for the salford game will be sitting in the north stand back in the day away coaches parked on quarry lane off the coach, into the ground, out of the ground, onto the coach. Simples, really. I remember those days as well. Uh, and Ben's, Ben says, bandwidth is narrowly affected by poor access to the facilities and other revenues. It's not just ticket sales. I can never get a pie at halftime. Well, Ben, you know, I do feel sorry for you. Maybe go a little bit earlier or um, get one. Get one. Before you go into the ground, take a little bit of foil with you, wrap it up, keep it nice and warm. I have to say, though, that uh, one thing they have invested in at One Core Stadium this season is the improvement of sausage rolls. They have been absolutely beautiful so far this season. Can't knock it. Right, let's move on to another uh, talking point, Alan, which is, of course, about um, development and progress and things like that. Stephen Quinn, one of the longest serving uh, players as well. Um, on, uh, at the stakes, along with uh, Lucas Aikens. Scored on Saturday, of course, at Warsaw. We probably didn't expect him to play as much this season. Probably didn't expect him to play as much last season either. But there he is still ticking over like he's uh, still a 16-year-old with en- en- bundles of energy to burn. He said, in press uh, over the last couple of days how, how much it warms his heart to see the development of the club. And if the players are seeing that, that has a benefit on the pitch as well because it's driving them on. He knows what Nigel Clough can do. He knows what it means to develop
1: over time and and that's refreshing to hear from a player. Well, Quinny Astor is the man, isn't he? And it wouldn't surprise me if he changes his mind when we go up this season. It wouldn't surprise me if offered something next season, you see him again, whether it's a bit part or coach or whatever. I just love the bloke. He excludes everything, everything about Mansour time He loves it, doesn't he? And it's brilliant how he gets the fans on side. And you know, as soon as that final whistle's done, he's there straight over to fans, orchestrating. He's even got uh, Mister Garner in on it now, hasn't he? They're all doing it.
4: Yeah, it's just
1: a cracking bloke, mate. Cracking bloke.
4: Yeah, I absolutely. think what he does, Craig, is he illustrates that age isn't really a, an important number anymore because if you're fit enough and good enough you're young enough and yeah. uh, he and people like Barry Bannon at Sheffield Wednesday they just continue to play long after what you'd normally expect their sell-by date to be and I think that's testament to modern training techniques and better uh, better player care um, and, and players can extend their uh, playing career in a way that in previous seasons you couldn't previous year eras you couldn't
1: the pitch there think-
2: I've parked to uh, get a game on Saturday afternoon.
1: Sorry, Al, go on. I was just going to say, and I think a lot of that goes uh, credit to Nigel Clough. Because he said about, you know, the uh, Flynn incident and whatever, saying, you know, he only needs to train once a week, if that's so be it, until he starts getting stronger. And I would imagine he wraps Quinning (laughs) uh, Cottonwall as well. And, you know, and it plays as and when. And I think it's a good thing that uh, his match manager. I'll say it again. I'm after you, and I agree. Man, management skills uh, second to none. Yeah, we got there in
2: the end. Well done. Al. Yeah.
1: Uh, any comments coming in. Um, Martin says, "Good to see you at the game
2: Saturday, Craig. Had to come and say uh, hello and praise the podcast. Really do uh, appreciate it. Next time you do come and say hello, though, let me know who you are so I can put two and two together uh, because my brain's tiny and I don't recognise people. So do do let me know your name and then I'll recognise you. I go, oh, that's the guy that commented on the podcast the other night." And I will know what you are, who you are, and won't look at you gone out. Um, uh, it, Martin also says, "Alan, can we play the mighty Quinn this Saturday, please? For him, work your magic." I'll do my best. Do your best. Get it on the uh, official request as well. On uh, when the when the club put that out. Although uh, Alan's oppo, Kieran, he's, he's have a word with him as well because he, he'll will will uh, get it on for you. He'll play out, only play out. Um, Yes, so, um, wait, do you want to add anything on the, uh, the, the, the the Quinn discussion, Jim? Or do you want me to play the uh, the best, second best jingle that's ever been made on this podcast?
3: All well, I'd say is just people like him and Flynn are going to be key now for the last 14 games, absolutely key. And, um, yeah, that's it, really. They're going to be the ones who are going to drag us over the line, I think, in this thing.
2: All right, I'm going to read through the lines then and say, shut up, Craig, play the jingle. That's it. So will they win, lose or draw? And what will be the score? It's the guessing game that brings you zero fame. But to be the best, you must outguess the rest. So will they win, lose or draw? And what will be the score? In the League or Cup, you just make it up. Because they're just works of fiction. It's podcast predictions. Will they win, lose or draw? Right, Salford then at home on Saturday. Reminder that uh, there are a selection of tickets in the North stand if you're thinking about going. thinking thinking I never get a ticket. It's always sold out. Well, there's some in the North stand, so get yourself a ticket and go and uh, watch the stakes and cheer them on to hopefully victory. Although, Clive, that said, victory might not be that easy. We'll come on to predictions in a minute. Salford themselves, they uh, have had a poor season by their standards. They're always one of those teams that demand, due to their owners, success on the pitch they sack managers for fun they did it again uh, over the christmas period carl robinson appointed on the 5th of january since which according to my research i may well be wrong they are unbeaten and in the last six games they're second in the form table stags by comparison to six with two of those the four defeats this season coming in the last six games despite salford's league position this one will not be easy clive
4: I think, yeah, Carl Robinson's a cracking manager. I think they've done well to to get his get him there, um, and I don't think it's a surprise that he's tightened the thing up a little bit and playing a, a much more concise game. Having said that, it's only a couple of weeks ago that another form team came to Phil Mill and got hammered nine-two. So, uh, I, I'm tempted to uh, agree that it's going to be a more difficult game than we'd like it to be, but I don't think we should be fearful of it. No, certainly not.
2: Um, Alan, obviously a side of that calibre when uh, they are on a, a good bit of form, there is such a thing as a new manager bounce. We lost the game at Warsaw, we'll come to predictions in just a minute, but we have to be mindful of the fact that Salford will want to try and climb and you, you, you've seen historically, especially in a league as tight as League 2, where some results and momentum can get you
1: yeah and nigel's distilled it into the players this year that we do not and i mean do not lose two games on the bounce so i'm expecting uh, mansell to come out firing saturday i'm expecting an early goal and i'm expecting a win
2: jim they've got some good players in their ranks of uh salfords uh and like we said they are on a decent little bit of run of form but likewise Stags are where they are for a reason and every bit of good form has to come to an end, doesn't it? So why can't it be the Stags? That sends Salford back home going, oh, should have supported
3: Barry. Yeah, I think Matt Smith's missed their key man, isn't he? So I think um, Flint will need to have a good game on Saturday, which I'm sure he probably will. And they like Clarke's favourite saying, you know, we've got no one to fear. We've just got to go out and know we don't need to fear them, just go out and throw the kitchen sink at it. I'm expecting a bit of reaction, because like I say, once you've lost the game, when you're a good side, you want to prove a point again, don't you? So, I, I think we'll win. I think, yeah, I'm pretty confident.
2: Certainly do. Right, I'm going to kick us off with podcast predictions this week. I'm going to go for a 3-1 win. Bailey Cargill as man of the match. Jim, I'll come to you next.
3: 2-1 win. Um, Ollie Clark. Uh
2: Clive.
4: We're going to win seven-two. <laughs> let me say straight away: there's no Nando's at stake. <laughs> That's quality, that is.
2: I'm done. I'm not well, now.
4: love oh, oh, no, I do. <laughs>
2: The match, please.
4: Lucas Aikins.
1: Alan, more fans, <laughs> please. I'm going. I'm going same as you, Craig. Three-one. DKD, Man at Match. Excellent. And as always,
2: if you want to play along with podcast predictions, you can do so via the link in the description. You can be mad like Clive and say a 7-2 win. Mind you, we all thought he was mad last yeah. year against Harrogate when he said we'd score eight. We ended up scoring nine.
4: Can I stop you there? I never said we'd score eight. I said we would win 8-0. At <laughs> no point on that match where we 8-0 up. True. 6-0,
2: yes, not 8 it. Right, I'm going to have to wrap this up because my food's come back a lot quicker than what I thought it was going to oh, be. No. <laughs> so we're going to have to go. Uh, right, that's all we've got time for in tonight's Mansfield Matters podcast. Uh, hit the end jingle, please. Right, that's all we've got time for in tonight's Mansfield Matters podcast. My thanks as ever to Jim Evans, to Alan Wilson, to Clive Parkin, and to you for watching and for listening at home. We'll be back next week as we reflect on all things Warsaw. No, we've done that. That was tonight. Food! I can smell food. We will reflect on all things Salford and look ahead to the upcoming fixtures. We'll talk more about our upcoming event. The link for the tickets is in the description, as is the link for podcast predictions. You must submit your guesses no later than one hour and one minute before kick-off on Saturday afternoon. This is the show for the fans, by the fans. Why? Because Montsford always matters. Can I go and get my KFC now? Yes, I can. Goodbye! boneless banquet for anybody wondering other restaurants are available see you next week on the show for the fans by the fans why because mansfield always matters good night